We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com, here with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How are you doing today, Aaron? Doing good, Jeremy. How about you, man? Finally football season. I know. How about it? We finally got here. Uh, Training camp began, uh, so I guess, uh, what is it, six days ago, last uh, Thursday. And uh, pads went on on Saturday, and that was the first time that we've actually seen Bears players practice in pads uh, since 2015, so it was uh, a very revealing past three days and uh, really gave us a good look at how this team looks overall and what their potential is in a lot of different areas. I know that we have a lot of time left. People uh, are going to improve. Things are going to improve overall, but uh, really good to see these guys out there hitting again. It was uh, I know the fans there in Bourbon A really enjoyed it, and uh, I enjoyed it myself. So uh, good to see this team out there, good to see them practicing, and, and, and it's football season. It's, it's almost like Christmas is here. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely, man! It's this is the uh, the moment of the the year that I wait for. Uh, you know, obviously football is there. The weather finally starts cooling down where I'm at. It's been 115 for the last two weeks, so I've you know you you've seen my build. Uh, me losing 10 pounds is not a good thing at this point. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that time, man. It's definitely that time. Well, the weather in Bourbon A has been hot, and that has created some. Uh some chippy situations between some of the players. There's been a lot of pushing matches and a lot of guys uh, kind of you know letting the heat get to them. And we'll get to all of that uh, in a little bit. But let's just talk about a few of the things that have gone on since the last podcast. And I would like to apologize for the time off and uh, the, the big gap that we had there between the last podcast. We uh, took a little bit of a break there during uh, the offseason when, the, when there was some downtime. And then last week 
We tried to record uh, the first part of our two-part pre-training camp podcast, but we had some technical difficulties and finally able to resolve those, and we're back at it, and we're happy to be here. So let's get right to it. Uh, First thing, let's talk about the Willie Young extension. The Bears gave him a two-year deal. No uh, word on what the numbers are on the deal, uh, but it looks like the Bears are going to have Willie Young uh, for two more years beyond this season. How do you feel about the move? You know, I like it from a depth perspective. Uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, what was it, like a month or two ago when Jason Cole first reported that they're talking about it. So I think it's, I mean, overall, you can never have too many pass rushers. I think every single coach on the face of the planet in the history of the game has probably said the same thing. So uh, I definitely, I think it's a good move in that respect. I am curious to see what the money looks like, Uh, at least from the way that they presented it. It sounded like it was going to be somewhat of a restructured year in 2016. He has, uh, what, like, right around a $3 million cap hit. So I would expect that to go up. Uh, the one thing is he's already, what, 31 years old. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, I mean, you can really never have enough depth. So overall, I think it's uh, there's really not much to complain about. Bears got a lot of cap space. So, you know, why not do it? Uh, and hopefully this will be his first year fully healthy going into offseason training. We can, you know, talk about how he's looked in training camp later on. But, uh, you know, if he has a full year and he's, and he's healthy and he gets a good amount of rotation with the other guys, I mean, he could be a 10-sack type player. I mean, he showed flashes last year when he finally got healthy. He finally seems like he wants to be in a 3-4. I think uh, he's finally realizing, hey, you know, Vic Fangio might be one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So, uh, you know, overall, I think it's a – I don't really have any complaints, I guess. I mean, we'll have to wait and see the money. Hopefully he's not making $10 million a year, which I doubt. Um, But it just really adds to the depth, especially with Pernell McPhee's uh, question marks at this point. We don't really know what they have in Leonard Floyd. So the one thing I will point out is it is a little interesting, and I – be worth watching uh, at least going into next year what are they going to do with Lamar Houston I mean he's another guy that's making seven eight million dollars a year uh you know so it's uh they have some high dollar high dollar players at that position nothing too crazy no Justin Houston's or anything like that but they definitely have a lot of money in that position in the first round pick so what about you Jeremy well the good thing is they're not in a bad cap situation so they can at least absorb uh, Lamar Houston's contract going forward Uh, as far as Willie Young goes uh, I think the only concern with this move is that he will be 31 years old, I think, the first week of the season here. And, you know, uh, outside linebackers rush uh, defensive ends. Uh, they can play well into their 30s. I mean, this isn't like uh, the running back where, 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 you know, 30 is that plateau where they do fall off. But I think with Young, the good thing for the Bears is, and Ryan Pace mentioned this in the press conference, is that he was just a sub player his first three, three seasons uh, with the Lions and really didn't start a game in the NFL in two, until 2013. So he doesn't have the same type of mileage that you might expect from, uh, you, you know, your classic six-year NFL veteran. And, you know, he, he is a guy who two years ago had 10 sacks, uh, really did a good job last year overcoming that Achilles injury and really produced down the line. I think he had five and a half sacks over the last seven games last season. So when he was healthy, he was a force off the edge. And uh, I think this is a really good move. He's a leader on the field. He's probably one of the most vocal defensive players uh, on that practice field every time we're out there. And I think the players respect him. I think he's kind of taken uh, Leonard Floyd under his wing, which uh, might have had something to do with uh, why this deal got done now and why they felt the, the need to get Willie Young around. But I just don't think there are many uh, downsides to this other than, like you pointed out, 
uh, what the money is. We don't know what it is, but I doubt this is something where he got a lot of guaranteed money. I think this is a, a contract that he's trying to have to earn over the next couple of seasons, and I really don't see the Bears or Ryan Pace dumping a bunch of money in a 31-year-old player. So we'll see what the numbers are, but I like the fact that this gives them the depth that they need because, like you you pointed out, there are questions about Pernell McPhee on the pup list to start training camp. And uh, this, this all comes from a knee strope, and you, you and I have discussed this in previous podcasts, uh, a knee strope that happened back in February. And, uh, you know, we're now in... Uh, we're in August, early August, and you know we still haven't seen Pernell McPhee. I actually have seen him at the cafeteria at training camp, so I do know that he's still alive. But uh, this is uh, starting to get a little bit concerning. I mean, are you concerned about this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have a knee scope, I mean, it's not supposed to take this long. Uh, obviously, I know, and there's been a lot of fans uh, on Twitter that have been very concerned with some of the injuries that have happened during training camp. Uh, and really, Fox's transparency or lack thereof uh, when really coming out with you know what the real injury is. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely is concerning. Um, but luckily, they have some good depth. Uh, I think I read something, and maybe you put it out. I'm not really sure that he's down in the 270s now, which should help him out. I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, we've we've both seen him. Uh, he's he's an animal. He's a really good player when he's healthy. But I mean, this is nothing new. Like we talked about you know, on previous podcasts. I mean, he's had knee injuries uh, really his whole entire career. So I mean, those don't really go away. Though knee and back issues are usually something that that comes up and does whatever. So ultimately, I mean, I, I think he'll still be ready for week one. I think it's more precautionary at this point, kind of like with with Kyle Long. So uh, it, it just it is what it is at this point. Hopefully he does come back. But the good news is it's it's not uh, it's not a uh, season ending thing if he misses a few games or if he comes back and he's not quite the same or anything like that because they do have good depth. But uh, you know he's he's was their high dollar free agent last year. Um, he had a really good year when he was healthy. Tailed off you know after the after his knee injury or the flare up of the knee injury or whatever it is at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm a little concerned just because it's knee scope and that it should not take this long. But um, I also think maybe they're taking more of a veteran approach and more of a safe approach and saying, okay, you know, we know what this guy has to offer. He knows the system. Um, let's let him get healthy. And if he doesn't play any uh, preseason games, and we already know what we have, so that's. I guess that's the optimistic mindset I'm trying to go with right now. Yeah, I agree, and I don't know if it's time to panic with Pernell McPhee, but I do think that it would it would be a, a little more reassuring to see him get out there on the field here at some point in the preseason if it's just uh, for a couple of snaps in that preseason finale. But you're right, uh, you know, we're talking about a five-year veteran who uh, doesn't really need the preseason or, or, or training camp at this point in his career could probably just step in and be able to produce right away. But his history of knee injuries is concerning, and the fact that this is taking so long uh, just kind of adds to that concern. So uh, we'll see what happens here with Pernell McPhee. He's one of uh, three players for the Bears who will start on the pup list. And, uh, you know, the Bears need Pernell McPhee this year. So hopefully you're right. Hopefully they are uh, just taking it easy with the veteran and and, and trying to, you know, limit what he's going to do out there and limit, uh, you know, maybe re-entering that uh, knee injury further. Moving forward, let's talk about the secondary. A couple of changes here. Omar Bolden, a couple, uh, this has actually happened about a week before training camp. He was uh, cut uh, out of nowhere. And uh, Omar Bolden, this is a John Fox guy, came over from Denver, was uh, su- supposed to be, uh, you know, add depth to, this, to the safety position and uh, compete at the punt returner position, gone. 
and you and I were talking about a little bit uh, before the podcast, but I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a football move. I think something might have happened off the, off the field and something might be revealed down the line because this is a, a player that the Bears could have used, a good special teams player. Uh, they're supposedly putting more value in that third phase this year. So uh, was it as confusing to you, the, the Bolton move? Oh, yeah. I, I It caught me completely off guard. I actually... I think I got a text from somebody. I was off doing something. I got a text saying, well, why did Bolton get cut? And I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, there, they couldn't be Omar Bolton. It's got to be somebody else. And I'm sitting, you know, and you need look and you see it. And there's something, like like you said, there's something that they haven't said. I, I don't, I don't know. He was, in my in my view at least, he was one of my favorite signings. And I know a lot of people look at that and say, oh, well, the guy was, he's not a good safety. He's not a good corner. He's a special teams guy. But the Bears really need that. And one of the biggest values that he brought was versatility one, but two, I mean, he was a really good returner. He's explosive when he's healthy. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't really understand the move. I'm sure there's there's a motive behind it or whatever it may be. And, I mean, he hasn't signed with another team yet. Um, but what I do know is, you know, talking to different Broncos fans and seeing even some of their media reaction, it seemed like, you know, this is a guy that they valued, uh, even as a special teamer. I mean, that usually says a lot. If a, if a fan base knows a special teamer like that and, uh, values him, then I mean that's usually a pretty good player. But I'm sure there'll be some sort of uh, explanation. But I think it does take a hit. I wouldn't really say so much the kick return, but I think as far as punt return and the Gunners go, I mean that's a. I, I really, really do think they were putting a pretty good amount of value in him, and you know, hoping that he was going to come through. So I, I think they have a little bit of a hole to fill there. I don't think it's anything too major, but especially at punt returns. I mean, depending on what goes on, and we can get into that later with who's been doing what. But uh, I mean, this could signal, and it's very early, but this could signal Mark Mariani being back to return punts again. And I'm not really looking to see that, and I don't think many other fans are. So. Uh, I, I would like a little bit more context on it, and I'm sure at some point something will come out. But I think it is somewhat telling, like you said. I mean, the fact that he hasn't signed with anybody else yet. I mean, it's only been a week or two. But uh, well, we'll just have to see. I'm just kind of waiting for <laughs> waiting for some sort of word to you know clear this up, and because it just doesn't really make much sense to me right now. No, and I, I don't think it necessarily kills the team in any area. I think he was just trying to be a good depth piece and, and, and a guy who could contribute on special teams. I just don't see how during that off period. You know, I was able to watch the Bears during the uh, OTAs and veteran minicamp. It wasn't like uh, uh, you know he was out there uh, getting destroyed. Uh, so I, you know, I think a guy who who has been with Fox had some experience with Fox. He was one of Fox's guys, and I, I just don't think anything that happened during OTAs or veteran minicamp on the field would have you know compelled them to cut him when they did. So you're right. I think there's something we're not we're not uh, privy to, and we'll, maybe down the line we'll find out about it. Uh, but basically, what happened is through a couple of different moves, uh, Brandon Boykin, the uh, uh, fifth-year cornerback, uh, played some I think four years with the Eagles last year with the Steelers. Three years ago, I think he had six picks uh, for the Eagles, and uh, it, it's the Eagles, right? Yeah, it was uh, he had he started off with the Eagles, went to the Steelers, and then he signed with like Carolina or something this year and got cut right. shortly after. It was weird. Right, and uh, yeah, he wasn't there very long. Now, there's a rumor about Brandon Boykin, which uh, I haven't been able to conf- to confirm, but uh, a rumor about him having a degenerative hip condition, and that is why uh, he's been you know now with the Bears would be the third team in the past two years, and uh, you know obviously nobody can confirm that, but that's the rumor out there as to why he's kind of bounced around. Uh, but he is, I believe, a five ten. Uh, experienced nickelback, and the Bears really don't have that on the roster. Bryce Callahan looked good last year, but they didn't really have any legitimate competition for Callahan at that nickelback spot, and I think that's what 
Boykin brings. And, uh, I, you know, I think if he plays well, he has the opportunity to potentially start, uh, you know, with a good preseason. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I saw that they had signed Boykin, I mean, he's been somebody – him and Draw Powers were two – two names especially in the nickel that i really like so it was good to see them get him and the thing is and it's funny because when he was traded when chip kelly turned around and traded him they were what last year when they traded them to pittsburgh i mean that was a big surprise for a lot of people uh you know he really broke out and had a pretty good year and was kind of looked at as one of the better nickels in the league so uh overall yeah i think it's a good move i mean especially you look at their secondary especially at corner i mean at this point they could use some depth uh because at least in my opinion, uh, I've you know watched Callahan play quite a bit, and even went back and watched some of his, his college tape, and I really do think that he's not just a nickel. I mean, he is good in the nickel, but I think they could move him out, especially uh, depending on what Porter does or what Fuller does. I mean, I think they can if I think they're going to try to get the best three guys on the field. And honestly, if Brandon Boykin's healthy, I think he's going to be right there. I mean, he's he's that. I wouldn't say he's that good, but I mean he's he's a good player, and especially with the state that the Bears secondary is in right now, uh, I would not uh, right there with you. I wouldn't at all be shocked to see him starting Week One at the nickel. And they, if that's the case, and I think they're they're in better shape than I thought they were going uh, going into training camp. Yeah, I will say this: I haven't seen a whole lot out of Boykin, but again, this he's only been with the team for a, a few days. So we'll see how he develops during training camp. But I, I think you're right. I mean, you're looking at a guy 5'10", 26 years old, still has a lot of good football ahead of him. And uh, like I said, I think it, yeah, in 2013 he had six interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown. Also two forced fumbles that year, has had a forced fumble in each of his four seasons so far. Uh, a fairly productive overall player who's uh, who, who's played fairly well in his career. So we'll see what he can do if he can get comfortable in that Vic Fangio system and uh, push Bryce Callahan for that starting nickelback spot. He actually hurt his shoulder. Uh, was on uh, I think it was limited on uh, Saturday or uh, yeah I think it was Saturday, but uh, w- w- has been okay since then. But this is a roster right now that as of Monday, boy, uh, it was it was a banged up session. A lot of guys. Uh, weren't able to practice. A lot of guys had to leave practice. Uh, we'll start Kyle Long, calf injury. That actually happened in the first non-padded practice. Uh, Ryan Pace actually said that uh, he, he, he thinks it's very positive with Long, and I actually think he's going to be back fairly soon. But we've only seen Long in about uh, three-quarters of one practice so far, and he's been out. But he did get out of the boot. He was in the boot for a couple of days, has been out of the boot for a couple of days since then. So I think Long should be back fairly soon. Zach Miller going through the concussion protocol. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski did not practice. Neither did uh, he has a shoulder injury. Neither did Roy Robertson Harris, who's still uh, dealing with some illness that uh, has kind of passed around with some of the guys. One of them being uh, Leonard Floyd, who didn't practice or actually was taken out of the first practice and then uh, didn't practice the second day. Then injured his shoulder yesterday. So uh, you know, all of a sudden we have a six-six, two and thirty-five pound outside linebacker. A lot of guys are worried about his size, and he comes out and he's uh, sick and gets hurt right away. Does that concern you at all? Uh, no, I, I really think it's just at this point. I think it's just a product of a rough camp. I mean, this is to be expected. I mean, this is no longer college. I mean, he's in the pros, playing against bigger, faster, stronger guys. So I think uh, until he gets some weight on, I think you know these little dinged up injuries are going to happen. I really can't blame him for being sick. And I, I had a weird feeling that was the case when he went on on Monday. I know, especially with the way they dealt with the Kevin White injury last year. I know a lot of people were right. uh, a little a little panicked. But hey, you know it's. 
overall, I don't I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. Um, hopefully, this doesn't carry into preseason or the regular season. But I'm not too concerned yet. Yeah, you, you just hope it doesn't uh, that you know kind of set him back. You want a rookie to be out there getting all those snaps, especially this, at this point in training camp. But uh, you know they've been slowly uh, working him back. And uh, I don't think that I think he actually went back onto the field after he injured the shoulder. So I don't. It doesn't appear to be anything really serious. And like you said, you can't blame him for being sick. Uh, so uh, we'll see. What, we'll see what Floyd does. You want him out there? Kyle Fuller was limited with an ankle sprain. Uh, one of the bigger ones. Eddie Royal exited early yesterday with and is going through the concussion protocol. I think this is uh, important because. And we'll talk about him in a bit, but Daniel Braverman has really been one of the most impressive wide receivers out there, a pure slot receiver, and I think he's going to push Royal, and if Royal can't stay on the field, if this concussion kind of lingers, that's going to you know, kind of uh, propel Braverman even further. But again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Those are your major injuries. So now, after five days, Aaron, what do you want to know about training camp? Well, you know, you just uh, you just mentioned him. We talked a lot about him on the podcast. I think we're both excited about him. A lot of fans are excited about him. So uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts on uh, Daniel Braverman so far. You know, what, we talked about Braverman during uh, after OTAs and during veteran uh, minicamp, and everybody who's listened to the podcast or is a subscriber to Bear Report knows that I've been high on Braverman during that entire time. But the issue was whether or not – you know, a lot of times when you get these speedy, quick receivers, when they're in shorts and, and jerseys, they do look good. But once the pads come on and, and guys start getting a little bit more physical, they uh, aren't able to really, you know, show the same type of, uh, you know, pro- or, or produce in the same way that they were able to before when they were in just in shorts. That hasn't been the case with Braverman. I've, I've seen three practices now with pads. And that hasn't affected him at all. And, you know, some of the bigger cornerbacks that the Bears have really, you know, it doesn't matter that the pad's on or at all at this point. I mean, he's still creating room uh, out of, in and out of his breaks. He's still finding soft spots in the zone. He's still getting behind the defense using that speed of his. And he's just basically making plays left and right. And it's honestly, every time you look, he's out there making a play whether at every level, whether it's underneath, intermediate, or deep, he finds a way to, to, to produce uh, took most of his reps with the third team and then got, started getting second team reps uh, the last couple of days. So he's already worked his way up the depth chart. And right now, outside of Alshon and possibly Kevin White, but for sure Alshon has been the most uh, impressive wide receiver. But Daniel Braverman is, is, a, is a, a right there at 1B. And I really think, uh, you know, I have seen, I've seen a little bit out of uh, Eddie Royal, but, you know, we're talking about uh, I think he's 30 years old this year. You know, all of a sudden you have this up-and-coming Daniel Braverman. I, I really think that if this injury... Uh, or this concussion kind of lingers, Braverman can really shoot his way up there and really catch you out of the coaching staff and potentially, you know, be that week one number one slot receiver. See, I'm glad you said that because I said this, I, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter well, a few weeks ago to a month saying that I really would not be at all surprised if Braverman was a starting slot receiver by mid-year. And I got a lot of people saying that that was a hot take. And, it, you know, if you – and I know some people, you know, most people probably watch him play a little bit. But if you really go in depth and you really watch him, uh, he has a lot of good re- good traits. And not just as a small guy, you know, not just as that small, you know, speedy white uh, slot guy. But he has good traits as a receiver. I mean, the guy's got really good hands. But the thing that impressed me the most was his route running is, is amazing. It really is. I mean, that's something that we, you know, you talk about a lot with receivers and whether they round off routes or they need to develop or they need to learn route tree in general. Uh, Braverman's got a lot of that already so uh i'm glad to hear you say it um i I know he's been really the talk of camp so far well i guess we'll kind of keep on receivers for a little bit i know a lot of people uh you know we've we've kind of seen that alshon jeffries dominating camp so far but uh what about kevin white and anybody else uh in terms of receivers sticking out to you so far 
Well, Trevin White has looked good. I know that we talked about some of the drops that he had during OTAs. That's uh, pretty much gone away to this point. I don't think I've seen him drop one pass during training camp. So for for anyone who was concerned about that, it doesn't appear that that's going to be a long-term issue. Uh, I think his issue right now is just getting more and more comfortable with the offense. And I've seen that develop. I mean, back in OTAs, he was... Uh, struggling getting lined up and, and, and just basically struggling in general uh, pre-snap. But now so that's gone away, and, and you're starting to see him make plays. And I really think he's shown some of that athleticism. And, and uh, you know, really he's been able to get uh, behind the, the defenses and make underneath plays as well. So I, I haven't seen him, like, make any outstanding plays, you know, any highlight reel plays. But he's been very... Very consistent opposite Alshon Jeffrey and really made the most of his opportunities. So uh, I've been impressed with what I've seen out of Kevin White. I think the preseason is actually going to show us a little bit more about what Kevin White's made of and, and what uh, you know uh, he can do opposite Alshon because Alshon has just been so dominant to this point that you know you can't if you're an opposing defense you can't ignore Alshon. I know that you, you wouldn't have before, but just based on what I've seen right now, he's in line for a monster season. So. I think Kevin White's going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities, and I've seen the athleticism out of him so far to think that he can take or make the most out of those looks. Overall, this wide receiver group has been impressive. I think you can pretty much go top to bottom and, and, and make a case for almost every one of these guys making the roster. If I had to pick one guy, uh, I, you know, it's a guy we talked about earlier was Kieran Duncan, and he's actually looked very good, uh, That you know, the undrafted kid. I think, uh, is he out of North Dakota State? No, he's out of, uh, I think it's like Colorado, Colorado State yeah, Pueblo Colorado, or something. Yeah, you're right. Colorado State Pueblo. Um, he's he's made plays as well. You know, he's he's small, but, you know, they're giving him a look at, at kick returner as well. So uh, he's a guy that stood out. But I think the guy who's really impressed me the most has been Cameron Meredith, the big 6'3 guy out of Illinois State. Uh, spent, a, spent some time with the team. Uh, last year on the active roster for a while. I think he was on the practice squad for some of the season as well, but really has kind of grown into the position. It looks a lot more comfortable in the offense and has made plays repeatedly, has has learned to use his size to his benefit, has got behind the defense a few times. He's gotten rattled a couple of times as he's taken, uh, as he's tried to make some catches and the ball uh, has popped loose. That hasn't been good for him, but overall he's found a lot of ways to make plays. And I think, uh, you know, if there's a guy that they're looking to to potentially replace Marquise Wilson, if Marquise Wilson has to go on the regular season pup and miss six plus games, I think that Cameron Meredith has that potential to be that backup at that boundary wide receiver position to be that primary guy for Kevin White and Alshon Jeffrey. Well, yeah, and it's funny too because you know a lot of people don't realize Cameron Meredith is still relatively new to the receiver uh, position as a whole. I mean, he was a quarterback, I think, through most of his, uh, I think all of his high school years, and I want to say most of his college years. So he's a guy that's still learning the position. He's got the measurables. Uh, and I, I've also read, at least from your reports and a few other, it seems like Josh Josh Bellamy's done pretty well as well. So yep. I think we'll keep uh, keep on the offensive side of the ball and just kind of a quick summary on tight ends. Obviously, uh, Zach Miller has a concussion and Kari Lee has had that shoulder injury. Is there any? But is anybody else stuck out? I mean, I, I have yet to read of any other name from anybody really that seems to be even remotely catching people's attention at this point. Yeah, not really. I'd love to be able to say that somebody's you know stepped up and taken advantage of this opportunity, especially with Zach Miller going through the concussion protocol. But no, not really. Uh, Tony Moyaki and Greg Scruggs were the two who took over with the first team with Miller out on that mon- uh, Monday's practice. And uh, Moyaki's made a couple of plays, but he hasn't uh, you know wowed me with his athleticism. And the issue with Scruggs is he's a converted defensive lineman, and I think they want they really want him to be you know to develop quickly into that blocking tight end role 
And uh, I got to see him in one-on-one drills, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and boy, did he struggle. And, you know, he looked like a guy who's never blocked in his life. And uh, I, I don't actually think, I don't know if he has any experience, uh, but I think it's been a while, even if he does. And, uh, you know, he struggled out there. He looked like he, you know, he he didn't have any idea what he was doing as a blocker. So I think that's a project that's going to take a little while. Uh, maybe Moyaki can, can make some plays here and take advantage of this opportunity. He did have some su- success earlier in his career, but, you know, I haven't seen much out of Ben Broniker. I haven't seen much out of Ben Hauser, or I'm sorry, Rob Hauser. And, uh, you know, no, no one's really stood up. I think Zach Miller has looked good when he's been on the field, but no one else in that backdrop uh, has really, t- you know, stood out to this point. I'll keep watching. We'll see if somebody does something in the preseason, but it's, uh, it's you know, that, that shallow position looks just as shallow as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that was what I was a little afraid of. I think <clears throat> most fans were, hopefully. Somebody will start to stick out in preseason. And I think we'll finish this, uh, at least the offensive side of the ball, off and try to keep this a little short move on to the defense. Uh, we'll go ahead and go with running back. I, I know there's been, you know, and you can kind of feed in the offensive line if you like, but I, I think uh, a lot of people are a little surprised with the amount of reps and especially, uh, you know, on the first and second team that uh, Jacquez Rogers is getting, you know, outside of him, uh, what – how is it shaking out so far? Uh, it seems like Jordan Howard's pretty well down there on the depth chart right now. Yeah, Howard really is, and they're going to make him work his way up that depth chart. And honestly, I, I, I probably seen uh, Howard had a, a couple moves trying to stand out to me. Now that I'm thinking about it, but overall, he's probably probably been the least impressive of uh, the, those top four running backs. Kadeem Carey has brought that unbelievable pop. I mean, I'm just. I, I, it continues to amaze me the, the 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 power that Kerry runs with. Every big pop you hear, you, you try you look over and that that he's Kadeem Kerry is part of it. I mean the guy runs with such power, so he's he's uh, you know he's he's been very impressive. I think probably the most impressive guy has been Jeremy Langford, and we talked about this. And I said that he was the guy who probably had the most to prove out of anybody on this roster, especially with the you know the the, the rookie and Howard and the other options that they had. If he didn't come out and look good, I thought they were going to put him on a on, on a short leash. But so far, uh, I've noticed a couple of things. One, his one cut ability is the best on this team, and I never really noticed it before. Uh, but I've had a couple of opportunities to kind of stand in the in the end zone and watch from like an all twenty two perspective. Uh, and watch plays develop from behind. And uh, I've seen Langford about three or four times just, you know, plant his foot and boom, find that back cut and go. And I think that's that's exactly what you need out of your starting running back, especially if you're going to deploy a zone-heavy system. You need a guy who's decisive and explosive and who can find that hole and hit it. And I've seen Langford do that on a number of occasions, and I think that's going to help him you know, improve in that, uh, you know, between the tackles area where he struggled last year, that 3.6 yards per carry. I think that's going to improve if he continues to show uh, that one cut ability. But also with Lankford, it does not appear as if offensive coordinator Dowell Logans has any problems with uh, the the drop issues that Langford had last year because Langford has been a huge part of the passing offense so far, particularly in the stream passing game, and I think that they're going to continue throwing him balls over and over. So, uh, you know, there is some concern there. You hope, you know, I haven't seen him drop any passes, so there aren't, there isn't any concern there. You just hope that maybe when the games are on the line or, you know, the games matter, uh, we don't start seeing those drops. But, uh, you know, at least to start the season, they're going to throw a lot to Jeremy Langford. Well, I think I've either seen you mention it on the message board or maybe in one of your uh, one of your training camp recaps is that 
I mean, it's like we've talked we've talked about it on here. Jeremy Langford was a receiver at one point. I mean, the the guy's hands aren't the issue. I think it's more of him seeing it through, uh, you know, catching the ball and seeing it into his hands, and just the fact that uh, you know he was a rookie last year, and sometimes you know you get the, the game jitters when things are on the line or whatever it may be. So. I I have hope that you know he'll he'll start showing that because I mean he made an incredible catch in San Diego last year. Uh, I mean that was a it was a big catch that I mean you see receivers drop. So ultimately I think the talent's there. Um, it sounds also like I, I read something. I think it was you who posted he's up to close to two twenty, uh, which he was walking around at what close to two ten uh, going in last season. So uh, well, he's bul- he's bul- he's bulked up definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and before we go into the defensive side of the ball, for all you listeners out there, I'm sure most of you are uh, subscribers to Bear Report. But if you're not, I mean, you should really check it out. And I mean, this is coming from somebody who is not there. I'm all the way in California, and I rely on getting my information from Jeremy's practice reports. I mean, there's nothing like it out there. And that's not just me saying this because I work with them. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I mean, they are great great uh, resources to have and even going in the season uh so if, if you're not a not a subscriber give it a try i think that that four for one still going on um so anyway moving moving on to the defense side of the ball i think this is mostly uh, what everybody's been curious about uh the defense has gone through a lot of changes vic fangio is going into his second year uh we'll go ahead and start off with the front seven who has impressed you the most out of the front I've, we've seen hakeem hicks we've uh i mean we've seen a ton of names danny trevathan who has been the most impressive or give me a few guys <laughs> Well, I would say right now four guys on the on that front seven have really stood out to me so far. Maybe even five, uh, and I don't I don't even know who's the who's been the most impressive at this point. I guess if I had to choose one, I would say Danny Trevathan, uh, just because he he has been everything that we thought he was going to be. He's a leader on the field. He's extremely explosive. He's extremely decisive. Plays downhill. Plays with power. Plays with intelligence. And uh, he's been very good in coverage as well. I, there, there was a three-play series during the first padded practice where uh, everybody, all the beat, beat reporters, kind of, we all stood and looked at each other wide-eyed, uh, just because of what we saw out of Danny Trevathan. He like he, he knifed through three blockers to break up a screen, uh, blitzed and got a sack, and then shut down a screen or a, a stretch run play uh, on a straight fill. And it was just all the, in, in three plays. You saw everything that he was capable of as an inside linebacker. So. I really think that uh, you know his presence. You know, Twenty-six years old, the Bears have just—they've—they've they've found is at least so far from what I can tell, they found that next inside linebacker on a long line of uh, you know high-caliber inside linebackers. It's been very impressed with Trevathan, but almost as impressed with Akeem Hicks, who has who has just been a dominant force. And I, I continue to ask myself after seeing the pads come on and seeing how almost unblockable he is, both in as a as a, a run defender and in the pass rush. I just wonder what happened in New New Orleans. Why why couldn't they get it figured out with this guy? Because he has just been absolutely dominant. One on one pass rush drills, box drills where they do the run game, uh, just make him play after play. He's commanding double teams. He's just bowling guys over. I mean, just nobody can stop him. I don't I don't understand how any team that the Bears are going to face this year are going to be able to man up and do one and do a one-on-one block on Akeem Hicks. I mean, he, he's going to—they're going to have to double-team him, and that's going to create some opportunities for some other guys. Uh, one of those guys, uh, Edo Ferguson, has looked good as well. I, I really think that he's shown some athleticism and is really uh, doesn't doesn't seem to have any uh, ill effects from the uh, the injury that that knocked him out last year. But the two outside linebackers, Lamar Houston and Willie Young. 
both those drives really, really looked good. We didn't really get a chance to see them last year because they were recovering from injuries during last year's training camp. But Lamar Houston just likes, looks like a foam, a dog foaming at the mouth, just ready to, to, to destroy somebody on almost every snap. He's gotten into about three or four different pushing matches just tossing guys around and pass rush drills. And in a different way, Willie Young has been just as dominant because he's just trying to be a slippery guy working around people and pass rush drills and making plays, setting the edge. Both guys have been very dominant uh, in that run game as well. So, you know, I, I could talk about this front seven all day. And, you know, everybody was really excited to see what this group uh, is made of. And I can say this is the real deal. They are, I mean, just from what I've seen, they appear to be as good as we all thought they were going to be, and I think uh, it's it's really exciting to see a new, faster, younger group of guys out there that you can you can get you can get excited about. Well, one of the things you echoed, uh, I mean, that you said, you know, other, really, I mean, it seems like everybody seems to be in agreement that has seen this defense so far is the fact that they got a lot more speed, and I think that was something that was really lacking from them last year. And I think a lot of that has to do, or had to do, more the point with, you know, they transitioned from a four-three. And let's be honest, I mean, they didn't really have very many good players in the 4-3. And then all of a sudden you moved to a 3-4 front and, uh, you know, didn't it, – weirdly enough, it actually – they produced a lot better than I figured they would have. They, they were a lot better than anything that we saw under Mel Tucker. Uh, so I definitely think that's good. That's something that they really preached uh, going into the offseason and in the addition. So uh, I guess we'll end this off at least with the training camp portion. Talking about the secondary, I think this has been something that a lot of people have been concerned about, including myself. I think uh, – you know, they suck a lot of money into the front seven. They they did some work on the offensive. Actually, they did a lot of work on the offensive line. Um, and they really didn't put any free agent money outside of the re-signing of uh, Tracy Porter. And so, uh, you know, they've they made a, had a few draft picks, Deion Bush, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, and then um, obviously DeAndre Hall. But overall, how has the unit looked? And I mean, really, is there anybody standing out? Because that's one of the things I keep seeing is the receivers and the offense seems to be dominating for the most part. And it seems like uh, the secondary seems to be getting torched quite a bit. Yeah, that's for the most part. I mean, if you have to generalize it and put it down to one sentence, that's basically how it's been going. Uh, You know, I I don't think anybody expected the secondary to be great. And uh, we haven't seen that out of the secondary during training camp. It is what we expected out of this group. Every once in a while, you'll see a play, but for the most part, the, uh, the at least the first-team offense has really gotten better, the first-team secondary. Like I, I mentioned before, Alshon Jeffrey just cannot be stopped by either Kyle Fuller or Tracy Porter. Now, again, Alshon Jeffrey is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Most cornerbacks are going to struggle with him, but you know Tracy Porter and, and Kyle Fuller are going to see some elite wide receivers this year, and... and uh, you know they they haven't really been able to do much with Alshon and I will the one play that I would like to mention uh, came on the first day of practice when uh, Alshon ran and this is there was no pads but Alshon ran a, a, a fly up the left sideline and the pa- pass came up a little bit short so he had to adjust to it turn back to the turn, turn back to the ball and Kyle Fuller just he couldn't figure out what was going on and he kind of tried to turn back for the ball to look for it and he was off balance and Alshon grabbed him by the back of the helmet and threw him about six yards out, uh, off to the sidelines and uh, made the play and trying to stare down Kyle Fuller after he made the play so uh, you see a lot of that from Kyle Fuller when uh, when when he's trying to cover Alshon Jeffrey but what you have seen out of Kyle Fuller is he's making plays in zone coverage he's not making him a man coverage and that's a, something that we've talked about uh, you know he's still struggling when he has to turn his back to the line of scrimmage, but he is making plays when he when he can uh, you know see everything in front of him. So 
you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Kyle Fuller turns into a part-time player where you're only using him in certain, certain defenses. I'm not sure, but I don't expect him to, you know, all of a sudden become a pro bowler this year. He is who he is. I think the same can go for Tracy Porter. If there's somebody who stood out to me in the secondary, it's been Deion Bush, the fourth-round rookie out of Miami. He's made some plays. I think he has at least one interception so far. But more than that, he's been a physical force. Uh, I mentioned Cameron Meredith that had the ball knocked out of his hands a couple of times. Every time has been by Dion Bush, who was just chomping at the bit to get the pads put on. I think he had a big hit even before the pads came on. So this is a physical downhill safety who I think can be a weapon for the Bears in the box. Now the problem is he's shown a severe lack of awareness and coverage. I think he's a, he's a definitely a work in progress in that area, but. Uh, you know, as far as a, a guy who can contribute against the run and, and, and possibly as an underneath uh, type of man-on-man cornerback, uh, I think Deion Bush is probably the guy with the highest upside at that safety position. But I do like what Harold jones Cordy has done and Adrian Amos has looked solid. So I think those three right there uh, provide a little bit of, you know, give me a little bit of confidence in that safety position more than the cornerback position. And one other player I want to point out, that cornerback, DeAndre Hall, the other fourth rounder uh, out of Northern Iowa, you know, I love his length. I love I love what you know what he brings athletically, but he's just not there yet, guys. I I don't think I don't think he has natural football instincts, and I I think he uh, he's going to need to be taught a lot about awareness and being able to anticipate things. You know, Daniel Braverman, who is uh, you know what four or five inches shorter than uh, DeAndre Hall and far far you know doesn't have anywhere near the length that DeAndre Hall has. He's just been eating them up. And uh, I know Braverman's been uh, eating a lot of people up, but, you know, Hall has the advantage there in size, and, he, you know, he can't do anything with it. So I think anybody who's hoping that Andre Hall's going to come out and be the next Charles Tillman is probably not going to happen at least this season, and that's uh, going to take him a little bit while to get going. Yeah, and that's – I think really that's been one of the biggest concerns for most fans, and we've talked about it quite a bit too as a secondary. But uh, much like last year, and we've we've talked about it multiple times, I mean, Vic Fangio and Ed Donatello are known for taking guys that were either fifth-round picks, undrafted free agents, guys that uh, you know really had, had busted careers elsewhere, brought them in, and have done really good things with them. So uh, it's kind of the same story as last year. I mean, their secondary really didn't look good, and they really didn't look good in the first few weeks of the season. But overall, I mean, they performed pretty decent. And I think one of the biggest things – uh, that that the secondary has going for them at this point is a front seven. That front seven performs like you expect and like I expect, um, like they have been so far in camp. Uh, you know that the, the secondary is going to be in a lot better position than most things. So I think it's it'll be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of different positions that are going to be uh, you know whether that be depth or whether that be starting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of competition going on, and I think that's really what's going to make preseason fun is seeing some of these positions that aren't settled out yet, especially in the secondary and seeing uh, just how big of an improvement they make and really just kind of sitting back and marveling at how good of a defensive coach uh, that Vic Fangio is. And like I said, Ed Donatello, I mean, he's a really good secondary coach. So I think uh, I think that's going to be fun to see these guys go from really kind of just pieced together uh, into something probably a lot better than any of us are expecting. Yeah, and, you know, you, point, you bring up a good point. We are in the initial stages here. I mean, we're five days into training camp. Uh, we don't get, uh, I think we're about a week away from the first uh, preseason game. I mean, so there's a lot of times, a lot of time for these guys to develop. So anybody that who, you know, has struggled over the last five days could, you know, quickly turn it around and be, and be a force in the preseason. We just don't know. Just kind of giving you, you know, what I know out of these guys uh, here over the, the, the first point 
portion of this training camp and then we can kind of see where they develop from here. Tomorrow training camp resumes. We have three days uh, in Bourbonnet and then on uh, Saturday is Family Fest 1230 at Hallis Hall. Everybody can come out and see the Bears practice in their full gear. And then the first preseason game is August 11th. I believe it's at home at uh, Soldier Field against the Broncos. So that that's football. I mean, I, I don't think we, uh, we're we going to have a Sunday without football here going forward until like mid-February. So football's here. Does that get you excited, Eric? Oh, absolutely, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this Sunday because, you know, you got the Hall of Fame game on, but I know I'm full of myself because I'm going to watch it for probably about five, ten minutes, realize, <laughs> okay, oh, this game is completely meaningless and has players I have no clue who they are, and that's probably going to be the end of that. But the good news is next Thursday, the Bears play the Broncos in the first preseason game. Even if we don't get to see a lot of the starters, we're still going to get to see some football and we'll get to see a lot of exciting battles. Yeah, the knowledgeable fan knows that preseason games aren't about the starters. It's all about the back end of the roster and being able to see some of those guys step up and who's going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities and there's a lot of them out there guys this roster is not even close to being finished a lot of positions uh, that still haven't been decided and, and are going to be decided during those preseason games so even when those starters go go out that's actually the fun part for me getting to look at these second and third team guys and and, and seeing who's going to actually uh you know take advantage of those opportunities and make a name for himself so really looking forward to it uh, we're going to do another podcast probably uh, early next week, maybe even a little bit sooner, depending on what our schedules look like. Uh, but, you know, here we go, guys. We're, we're in football season, weekly podcast, looking forward to it. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the grind here, and, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So check us out on Twitter. You can follow Aaron at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow on Twitter at Bear Report. Come see all of our work at the Bear Report Facebook page. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Bear Report podcast on iTunes and uh, come, over, come over to bearreport.com. All of my practice reports, which uh, Aaron so, uh, was so kind to talk about earlier, you can find them all at bearreport.com. I dump about 2,000 plus words into each notebook, kind of just giving you everything that I'm seeing every day. So you can find them all there, as well as our uh, uh, premium message boards where you can talk to me every day. That's it, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back here in a few days after I've uh, gotten a little bit more of a had some more time to spend with these guys and we will uh, give you some updates then have a great week everyone and we'll talk soon